looked at uh, Moses. Uh, well, we looked at Joseph. We looked at Moses. We've looked at uh, Esther. And um, we saw this. All three of them had divine favor on their life. And that favor did, for all of them, produce some um, wealth. Moses had it growing up. He was a divine child. He had favor on him, and he grew up in Pharaoh's home. Uh, Joseph was a slave, but he, as a slave, the Bible called him a prosperous man. Try to figure that out with your brain. And, and again, prosperity is not what you can accumulate. It's really just how you live. And so Joseph was a prosperous man. Esther went from an orphan to the queen. And so she was well taken care of. But, and all that's good, favor will just really, if you walk in the favor of God, it will produce those things. When the children of Israel were delivered up out of Egypt, the Bible said they had favor and they spoiled the Egyptians. And so as they left, they, there was not any sick or feeble among them, but they, they all possessed silver and gold and raiment and clothes and anything they would have need of. They, they had God favored them, and so favor will always produce these things. And you and I are not afraid of it. But listen to me. We can't let the church, who doesn't understand this, and especially the world, tell us that that is not available for us because it is available. But then I want to talk to y'all, all y'all, and understand this. Uh, you know, we don't just get our eyes focused on things. It's the wrong focus. That's how you become covetous. We're not just seeking what God, the hand of God, what he can give us as far as things. I just want you to get used to this. It's just because of what Pastor Robert was teaching. It's because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet uh, he became poor for your sake so you could become rich. You need to understand you're supposed to be walking in abundance. But it's not abundance just a heap upon yourself. I mean, how many cars can one person drive? How many houses do you need? Maybe one here, one at the beach, one in the mountains. Uh, maybe one in the desert. But after that, how many more do you need? Unless that's your business. I, I, I'm just saying, think abundance, but also be thinking this way, that the favor of God on my life causes me to be this abundant giver. Everywhere I go, people are blessed because I'm the lender, not the borrower. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and never beneath. That favor is on me. That grace is on me. I'm not going to let it go to waste. That's like somebody going to Kroger and buying you $500 worth of grocery and telling you to go pick it up, and you don't. Well, they spent their money on that, and you let it go to waste. Jesus became poor. Jesus spilled his blood to redeem you. Take all that redemption is. Not just for your sin, not just for your physical body, but in this area as well. And he wants you to walk in the favor and the prosperity that he's given you. But in all three of those cases, the overarching thing that the Lord is dealing with me about is he sent them with favor. He sent Joseph, he sent Moses, and he sent Esther to save the people alive. Sounds like somebody else I know. His name is Jesus. 
And I want to remind you because first and service, second service, you get a little different things sometimes, and I don't remember what you got. But let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. 1 Samuel 2, 26. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And so I want you to know you have favor with God and favor with man. You need favor with God, and we're going to look at how you got that favor with God, but that favor with God will translate to favor with men. Everybody say, I have favor with God, and I have favor with men. Now, it reminds me here, you know, Samuel, uh, as a young boy, remember his mom couldn't have any children. She cried. The, uh, Eli thought she was drunk, but the Lord dedicated uh, Samuel back. She dedicated Samuel back to the Lord, but he was going in to take over a mess. Eli, remember his two sons, offered strange fire, did stuff that's probably not even written in the word of God that just was awful. In the presence of God, they had no fear. Eli raised these two boys to have no fear of God, no reverence of God, and they took his place and his authority and what he, his relationship with God, and because he didn't do anything with his children, they, he, they ruined his life and his ministry. And so God always has somebody in the wings. If you and I don't do right, God's always got somebody in the wings. He does. So it's not about you and me. If we don't do it, there's somebody in the wings to take your place, to take the business you were supposed to build, to make the career, to reach the people you were supposed to. God's going to get it done. He always has a remnant. So here's this little fellow named Samuel. Remember, even Eli had to tell him because he heard the voice of the Lord, Samuel did. But anyway, he had to go in and he had to have favor with God. Why do you have to have so much favor with the people? Because the people were tired of what was going on in the temple. Because it had been so messed up. So he had to rebuild that. And so there's always rebuilding of favor, even it seems from generation to generation, somebody tries to mess it up. And, but I, want, I wanted you to see that. And then uh, there's always this favor. But it seemed, I want, and I want to remind you of this. So after Moses was gone, then God spoke to the next generation. Come on, I, I want you to know no matter if you're 80 or you're 13 in this room, you're, you represent a generation. And even God said uh, through, the, through King David that we're all called to reach our generation. We're all called to reach. Every person is called to reach a generation. And so God cares about generations. He cares about the young generation right now. He calls them, to me, he calls them the generation of the upright. Even though it may not look like they're upright, they're not righteous, but he calls them the generation of the upright. I mean, you know, God calls it the way he wants it. And so we have to get on board with that. But he's always passing on this favor. Uh, Deuteronomy 31.23. Deuteronomy 31.23. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun charge and said, Be strong and good courage. Thou shalt bring the children of Israel to land which I swear to them, and I will be with you. Isn't that what he said with Moses? I will be with you. And so that is the beginning of favor is when you realize that God is with you. And sometimes we think, yeah, God is with us. Yes, he's in you, but is he with you? It's more up to you if he's with you than, than you. It, it, it's, more, it's more up to him. It's more up to you. It's got to be up to you whether God, yes, he's in you. Yes, you're born again, but is he with you? Your character determines if he's with you. My character determines if he's with me. All right now. Hallelujah. He said, I, as I was with Moses, and Moses had favor, he said, I'm going to be with you. 
All right? Um, Joshua 1, 5. There shall not be any man to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And so the favor, remember what Moses found? He found favor and grace in the sight of God. And God showed him his glory. And so God has promised him the same thing I did for Moses, I'm going to do for you. The same thing I've done for anybody, uh, the same thing I've done for Smith Wigglesworth, I'm going to do for you. If you can believe for it. The same thing I did for uh, 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 Amy Simple McPherson, I'm going to do for you. The same thing I did for Maria, uh, et, that one, Wetworth Etter, however you say it now. Are you with me? My hero. The same thing I did for Brother Hagen, I'm going to do for you. Right? Because he was with them. Is God with you? Is God with you? Well, he said that with you means that God favors you. And you have favor with God. Hallelujah. Joshua 3, 7. Joshua 3, 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What does that mean? Joshua, you found favor with me. Now you're going to start finding favor with the people. As I was with Moses, so that I'm going to begin to magnify you. I'm going to begin to exalt you. I'm going to begin to show them that just like I was with Moses, now I'm going to be with you. Why is this so important? You and I need to understand that God is with us. Uh, um, Let's look at somebody else who had this favor. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Yeah, that's off to the side, sorry. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. He was growing up. And in favor with God and man. Now people say, well, you know, I don't know. Jesus was all God. You know, he was just God. Well, why did he have to have favor with God then? If it's just a done deal and there was nothing he could do about it, then why bother? You're God. You have favor. No, it said that Jesus, who put on pause some things about he was the word made flesh and he was all that, but he still had to find favor. How did he get it? He increased in wisdom. How are you going to increase in favor? You're going to have to increase in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. You're going to have to increase in the word. But listen to me. Y'all helping me today? And he increased in wisdom. He grew up. He had a growth spurt. And in favor with God and man. Everybody say, I'm increasing with the favor of God and man. What do we know? God was with, I know Jesus is God, but God was with him. Remember, he said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Well pleased for what? He hadn't done anything. He hadn't hurt, healed any bird wings. I know you've seen movies where Jesus healed bird wings and all this kind of, he didn't do any of that. What pleased God? Because he was growing in wisdom. Because remember when he was in the temple and he ought to be walking home with Joseph and Mary, uh, he couldn't be found. He was, he was finding out what was written about him. And he kept growing in wisdom. And he kept growing in knowledge about who he was and what he was supposed to do. And when he did that, he found favor with God. And if you just think about it, because a lot of people don't, why did he need favor with man? He's Jesus. Wouldn't they just love him? Wouldn't they just follow him? Wouldn't they just listen? 
There had to be this element that was necessary that God had to give him because it wasn't automatic. Even though he was the son of God, even though he was the savior, even though he was the Messiah, even though it was prophesied about him, he needed this favor because he needed favor with man. I mean, he was favored, right? How many of you know that uh, everywhere he went, he he drew a crowd? What was that? It wasn't just automatic. He, he had to grow in it. He had to actually probably believe for it, it seems. And when he had favor with God, everybody say, favor with God? What does that produce? It produces favor with man. Now listen to me. In one sense, the favor with God is automatic, but it's like, how many of you know that salvation is available for everybody? How many of you know Jesus is never going to do anything again about saving people? You know, we, Lord, save him. Lord, save him. In his, in his mind and in his work, it's already done. They have to do what? They have to receive it. And in this case, how many of you know everything is from a finished position? How many of you know Jesus has already finished the work? He's seated. So your healing is what? Done. Lord, I ask you to heal me. Eh. I get it, and that's okay. But really what you got to do is, Lord, Give me revelation and understanding so I can receive my healing. How did you get saved? You believed what was preached, and you said, all right, I believe you were raised from the dead, and I receive you as Savior. I make you Lord. When you heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost after you got born again, you know, they used to tarry and hang on and let go and turn loose. But what we've learned is you receive by faith. You believe it's a done work. You believe it's available. You, you allow the Spirit of God to come on you. and You allow Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And the evidence is you, you speak in other tongues. Everything is done. We have to receive. So I'm telling you this favor thing is done. I'm telling you this favor thing is done. How do I know that? Because anytime God was with somebody, the favor is available. And that favor was on them, but it was also on people. Do you all believe it's done? It is done. So I'm going to reestablish this in you because it starts with you believing and you knowing that God is definitely with you. I know as a born-again one, you know he's on the inside of you. But I'm telling you, it seems to be a little more than just acknowledging he's on the inside of you. It's more of acknowledging that God is with you. God is on your side. God is for you. And so let's look at this. Um, Let's look at Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, were two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's a great scripture, but that's not the one I want. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find it. I do that some. Is that Mark 18, 20? Let me see if that's what it is. Mark doesn't have 18. Mark's just 16. Um, Mark, Matthew 28, it, just, it, needs, it needs a two instead of a one. Matthew 28, 20. Change that. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you. Is that a promise? Not just in you, but I'm with you. It, it does make some difference. I know you think it's slight, but it does make some difference. I'm with you. And Jesus said, I'm with you always. When I mess up, he's right there. When I think I'm conquering the world, 
He did it, so he's always there. Even to the end. If he's going to be here to the end of the world, he's going to be there to the end of your situation. Everybody say, God is with me. Woo! John 14, 16 through 18. I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter that ye, you, he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In other words, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to always be with you. And you're going to know me. And you're going to know me. You're going to know me. And you're going to know me. And you're going to know me. And I'm always going to be with you. And I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. How long? Well, just till the end of the age. So if it's to the end of the age, surely till your life is over. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> I like one translation that just basically says, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. Everybody say, God is always with me. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. So in other words, I don't got to worry about what I have or what I don't have. I don't have to worry about it. Because he said, um, uh, you know, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content. Be, be, be thankful. Be grateful. Knowing this, you know, that's why I say I had to get a real revelation of it doing what I do. Money's like dust. There'll be more tomorrow. I don't give just, I try not to get, so I don't, I try not to get worked up about it. Because um, if God said it, God will do it. So I'm content with what I have. For he has said, I will, ne- why, why, why can I be content? Because he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's not going to leave me as an orphan. I'm going to know him. He's not going to leave me comfortless. Uh, Jesus, when he went away, he said, it's expedient for you uh, that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send you the comforter. He's always in you, but he's always with you. I want you to get to see he's with you. He said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Being with you, he was with, Mo- he was with Joseph. He was with Moses. He was with Esther. He was with them. And he was with them in such a way that the favor of God was upon them. And because the favor of God was upon them, then they also had favor with man. And God is promising you, listen to me, as it was on, help me, as it was on Moses, the same thing was on Joshua. As it was on Moses, the same thing that it was on Moses was on Joshua. Jesus very clearly promised us. He said, all the things the Father has given me, I give to you. Everything I have, I give it to you. I'm telling you one of the things he had was favor with God. I t- Jesus... Jesus said, my peace I leave you. Right? That's not the world's peace, my peace. I'm telling you, he's also saying to you, the favor that I walked in when I was on the earth with God is available for you. Some of you going to have to let that sink in. No, Jesus is a different category than I am, Pastor Mark. I cannot equate myself. He is the son of God. He is, there's no one in his class. He is alone, but he made you heirs. 
and joint, 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 co-equal. And everything he has, and I know we get into, you know, all the redemptive things, but I believe this favor is much a redemptive right. It's, it's as much as who we are as anything. And he said, just like God's favor was on Moses and it was transferred through the laying on of hands into Joshua's life. And God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to tell you something today. As I was with Jesus, as I was with Jesus concerning favor, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're in the same kingdom. We're in the same family. We got the same father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And his promise to you and me is I will never. We can leave and we can forsake. But he said I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man can do unto me. Because God is with me. Yes, it's true. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And yes, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And yes, as a born-again believer, you're born again and your spirit is alive unto God. But I'm telling you, there's a little oomph in this one. There's a little, there's a little extra in this. God is not only in you, God is with you. And when God is with you and God is for you, then who can be against you? And when God is with you and God is in you and God is for you and this favor is on your life and this favor and all that it causes in the Old Testament, all the examples of what this favor causes, you and I just ought to be walking in abundance just really clearly because of the favor of God. I mean, you know, he did spoil the world and let the church and the type of the church, the, the, he spoiled the Egyptians and gave it to Israel. Even though he knew they was, I mean, he had to know they was going to mess up. The first bunch was going to mess up. He had to know that he's God. But he still gave them the opportunity and he still blessed them anyway. Now listen to me. If you're going to keep the blessings of God and you're going to walk in it, you've got to do something about your character. We've got to be like Jesus who grew in wisdom who grew in wisdom, who grew in knowledge. But can you see God is with you? Everybody shout, God is with me. Woo-wee, hallelujah, God is with you. Now, let's go to, um, when did this favor really start in your life and mine? I want to remind you, we did it, I don't know how many months ago it was now, time and me, I don't keep track very well, but let's read Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 3 through 12. Y'all remember the Sermon on the Mount? I talked to you about the Sermon on the Mount. And then the Sermon in the Plains. What did Jesus really preach? So when did you get this favor? When did you get it? When was it available to you? Is it earned? I have to grow into it. We'll see. When did you get it? Matthew 5. Three Amplified Classic. Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward condition. So this favor is not dependent on your outward condition. What you look like, where you're from, where you've been, what degrees you hold or don't hold. It's regardless... Of your outward condition. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We just got to read this because I could just stop and preach this all over again. Keep going, verse 4. Blessed, enviable, and happy, with happiness produced by the experience of God's favor. I'm happy because I'm favored of God. Especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace. Are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed, happy, blissome, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life and joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. The key is, are you getting it? When did, when did you get God's favor? The moment you got saved. The moment you got saved. That's when this favor came to you. That's when this favor was available to you. You can't earn your salvation and you can't earn favor. You either gets it or you don't get it. And you get it because you're saved. Everybody say, I'm saved. I have salvation and I have God's favor. Regardless of their outward conditions are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, blessed, fortunate, happy, and spiritually prosper in the state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation. Are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, upright and right standing with God, for they are completely satisfied. There's a lot of these, but I like them. Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed, happy, enviable, fortunate, and spiritually prosperous, possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor. Listen, if you got God's favor, you ought to be happy. You ought to be happy. And God's favor, and especially conditioned by the revelation of his grace, so grace and favor, same thing, regardless of their outward conditions. So this favor works in my life despite of all the outward conditions. If all the out, This is why I've been so concerned about people in the body of Christ. They, they need everything to be right all around them before they can see that God's going to do anything. God is a master at working in things when they ain't right. He's a master of taking an orphan and making her a queen. He, he, he is a master at taking a little baby floating in the river and making him a grandson of Pharaoh and then making him a deliverer. He's a master at taking someone who should have been killed in a pit and yet he put him in the right place at the right time. God is a master at taking those from the dunghill and lifting them up and sitting them with the princes of his people. God is a master at doing all those things. The only thing he needs from you and me is our faith, our belief, and what he's able to do. And when did this favor start for you? When you were born again. It's available to every born again child of God. Ooh, I'm enviable, fortunate, and I'm spiritually prosperous. I'm happy. Hallelujah. Keep going. Verse 9. Blessed and joy, envy, happiness, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor. Are you getting this? And salvation, regardless of their outward, regardless of your outward condition, regardless of how it looks currently on your job, regardless of how it looks in your business, regardless of how it looks in your family, regardless, regardless, regardless. They say that position is not going to be available for you. And yet you know it's yours. So regardless of the outward circumstances, because of the favor of God on your life, which translates to favor with God and man, God's going to move for you. Verse 10. 
Blessed, happy, envy, fortunate, and spiritually prosperous in the state in which born-again child of God enjoys a fine satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of his outward conditions. Are those who are persecuted for righteous' sake for being and doing right? Yes, I'm going to keep reading them all. I am. Verse 11. I'm not going to stop. Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous, life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. Because you're going to remember because you have God's favor and salvation. Regardless of your outward conditions, you're going to remember those three things when you're eating lunch today. You're going to remember those three things when you go to bed. You have God's favor and salvation regardless of your outward condition. Regardless of your outward condition. If you're so moved by your outward conditions, God's favor will not work for you. If you, everything in your outward condition has to be fixed, everything has to be right, everything has to be at peace around you. We have to have the right person here, the right person there, dot, 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 dot. Listen to me, then that's not much faith in what God can do. I like it when everything is peaceable out there. But God warns you when everything looks peaceable out there, he's like, you better grab a hold of something. Anyway, but um, uh, blessed are you when revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, be glad and supremely joyful. For your reward in heaven is great, strong and intense, for the same way God persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's look at this. Let's move on. Let's go to the plains. Let's look at Luke 6, 20 through 23. It says the same thing. And solemnly lifted up his eyes to his disciples. He said, blessed, happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from your outward condition. All right? Do you all get it? There's more, but we got to go on. Hallelujah. So I have, because of my salvation, I have God's favor. And it's irregardless of my outward condition. If you don't believe that, then this is not going to work for you. Well, it's unfair out there. Sure it is. But God makes that right in here. In here, and he's with you. Yeah, but... How about but God? They say, but what did he say? What do you believe in? Do you believe more what they say? The economy's bad. It's a really wrong time to expand your business. But if God said do it, you have God's favor. And you can just wipe everybody else out and be the only one left standing. I don't know. But because I'm saved, I have favor with God. So salvation is God's favor. And I have that favor. I, and I ought to be happy about it. I, it's enviable. I'm blessed because I have the favor of God on my life. And Jesus had it. And he said everything that I have, the Father has given. He had favor with God. You have favor with God. Did Jesus need favor with man? He obviously did. Not just about crowds, but he, he had favor. People took care of him at his, at his birth. I mean, we got kings coming from all over the place, loading him down for his life. Um, he had people following him around, taking care of him and helping him get out the word. People were attracted to him. People left their businesses to follow him. He had favor on his life. He had favor first with God, then he had favor with man. And you have 
just like Samuel had and just like Jesus had. But I want you to see a lot of that favor is not just for the blessing financially. It is to clean up some mess. Moses did it. Right? Moses did it. Joseph did it. Esther did it. Nehemiah did it. Oh, I love Nehemiah. He's so cool. Should we do Nehemiah now or in a minute? Let's see. I brought him up. Let's do him now. Nehemiah, he was my big finish, but let's, let's, let's see. I love Nehemiah. I teach a lot on Nehemiah to, to uh, my school of ministry students. Um, I, I, here's a man. Of course, he was in captivity again. So his outward circumstances, he sure didn't look like a deliverer. Um, he was, he had a good position though. I mean, he was the king's cupbearer. And you know, just, to, you know, he was the one that tasted everything to make sure the king didn't die. Right? So he had a, he had a cushy job. You know, it's kind of, you know, except if you died. Um, so, but he had a pretty cushy job. And his brother came to him and said, our homeland, Jerusalem, is in a mess. The walls are torn down. The gates are burned up. The enemy has overrun us. And when his brother came to him with the problem, the Lord got on um, uh, Nehemiah and, and began to work with him about the solution. But anytime God gives you, I really believe this, we are all ordained to fix a problem. Doctors fix problems. Mechanics fix problems. Chefs fix problems. Um, landscapers fix problems. Everybody fixes a promise, a problem. And really, you get paid to fix a problem. So the kind of problem you fix is the amount of money you get. And that's really kind of truth if you think about it. Um, I think mechanics should get more. I don't understand the problem they fix at all. I think um, uh, people like handyman, they should make way more because I don't understand what they do. Um, you know, so I think, you know, sometimes it's a skew, but, you know, lawyers fix a problem. Thank God for good doctors who can fix problems. But uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, you, you, everybody in the room, you fix some kind of problem. Whether you're home raising your children, I know your children are not a problem, but they can be a problem, and you need to be able to solve those problems. If you work at, um, at uh, Sam's Club, if you work at Costco, you're there to fix a problem. People have some needs, and you're there to make sure that they're, they're problem. Every, everything fixes a problem. So here we got Nehemiah. The Lord has brought this problem to him through his brother, and he feels overwhelmed, and he doesn't know what to do, but he suddenly feels the urge to fix the problem. And so this is what he did. So so. He had to find favor with the king. First, he found, obviously, God appointed him to do this, so he had favor with God. Now, I want to show you how this works. Nehemiah 2.8. Nehemiah 2.8. And, and a letter to, uh, to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams of the gates of the palace, which uh, pertain to the house, and the wall of the city and the house that was entered into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of God that was upon me. So he had to approach the king. First he had to approach the king and say, uh, you know, can I take a leave of absence? 
Um, can we get somebody else to taste your food? Uh, I need to go do something. And that was a big deal. And the king said, okie dokie, which was a big deal. And then he began to pray, and he needed favor to do what he needed to do because he didn't have any money because he's a servant of the king. He's a slave. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any supplies. He didn't have any people. He didn't have anybody who was for him. He didn't know, know anybody except his brother that cared. And so when he went, he, he began here, he, he asked the king, can I, and, and this is the funny thing, if the king knows these people, that it's the best. Because these are the king's people. And the king's, when the king gets some stuff, it's the best stuff. And so God's going to have him, inspired him to ask the king, can I have your best stuff to rebuild the wall? And, the, and, and he did it according to the good hand of God upon him. What is the good hand of God? If you study it out, it's favor. The good hand of God, the favor of God, the hand of God, the favor of God was on him. Everybody say this, the good hand of God, the favor of God is on me. And then Nehemiah 2.18, so now he's got to get the people. Then I told them, so he's talking to the people. I told them of the hand of God, which was good upon me. And so he began to tell other people. So I would never tell somebody. Well, you need to start by telling yourself the good hand of God is on me. And then you won't be ashamed to tell somebody else. How did you get that promotion? How did you get that raise? How did you get this? How did you get that? The good hand of God was upon me. The good hand of God was upon me. And, and so I told them the hand of God that was good upon me, and as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let's rise up and build. Well, it, what is happening is the favor of God is recognizable. Nehemiah didn't know these people. Nehemiah was not qualified to do this. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was not qualified to do this. A lot of times when God asks you to do something, it is beyond your qualifications. It is beyond your comfort zone. Because if you can do it, then you get the credit for it. But we're needing right now in the time that we live in to do things bigger than we are. And there are people that God has ordained you and I to reach, not just me, you and I to reach. The overarching theme of favor is that it, it is for the kingdom of God. It is for the work of God. It was important to God that Jerusalem be walled again. And understand what happened is when the walls, I don't have time to go into all, when the walls finally got up and the priests were reestablished and man, Nehemiah had trouble. Anytime you walk in the favor of God, an enemy is going to rise up to shut you down, to get rid of you. And he had to walk through some things and he had to be careful through those things. And I love his attitude. And if you've been in my school of ministry class, you know this. This is the theme of my life and this is what I tell you. We've got to be like Nehemiah because when the enemy came to get him away from his favored position, from the work that God has called him to do, they wanted him to come off the wall and he said, I am doing a great work and I will not come down. Come on, I'm doing a great work, and I will not come down. I'm operating in the favor of God. I'm operating in the promises of God. I'm doing what God told me to do for my life. The favor of God is on me, and obviously the favor of God translated with him into favor with people. Because listen to me, he got all these people to build a separate gate to the, to the and, and he got them all working in unity in one accord. And he got everybody on the outside to come to the inside. And he got everybody in agreement. And, and in the middle of all that, those that were mistreated, he got everybody treating everybody right. Everybody who was a slave, he said, you got to go, you know, you quit. You, 
we're our own people. We can't have slaves within slaves. You got to get them back, free them up. We got to pay them back. He did all this stuff. And at the end, when it was all done, the word of the Lord came again. The word of the Lord was read again. They, they were in unity and one accord. Why? It started with somebody who had some favor. It started with somebody who had a dream. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this one. And you'll all be back next week, won't you? I know it's Christmas season, it's holiday season, but you've got to come to church even during that time. Shop on Saturdays, not Sundays. Luke chapter 4. Verse 19, Amplified Classic. Remember Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord. How many know he has favor? Jesus has favor with God and man. And he said the Spirit of the Lord's upon me, right? To proclaim, what, what, what is he proclaiming to you and me? Remember he, he came to uh, preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, you know, uh, the blind eyes, that's not physical blindness there. That is spiritual blindness open. How many know he does heal physical blindness too? But he came to proclaim something. Because the favor of God was on him. He said, I came to proclaim to you the, accept, the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and free favors of God. What is it? I thought I came up with that. By the help of the Holy Ghost. I don't use the word profuse. I'm sure I've read this. I've taught on Jubilee. Remember when we were teaching on Jubilee? And when I've been talking about favor, the Holy Ghost has been dealing with me. It's like, don't forget about double Jubilee. Man, we got double Jubilee and favor working at the same time. What are we going to do with ourselves? He came to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day of when salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. So from that day forward, Jubilee was not a 50 year thing anymore. Y'all remember what Jubilee was? Every time I say the word Jubilee, my mamaw used to watch this singing group, this singing program called the Gospel Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee, welcome to the Gospel Jubilee. Do you hear me? It's stuck, though. But Jubilee in Leviticus, every 50 years a trumpet would sound. And anyone that was bound or held captive or sold into slavery, anyone who lost a home, anyone who lost a field, anyone who lost anything, when the trumpet sounded every 50 years, they began to shout, Jubilee, Jubilee. And then they'd go knock on the door and say, this is my house. Y'all need to pack up your stuff and get up on out of here. This is my field. What? That's not fair. Favor is not fair. What did Jesus, what's he, what's he promising you? This here out forever is Jubilee. What does Jubilee mean? You get to be restored anything that was lost to you. The favor of God. But listen to me. I don't want us to stop anymore with just favor on my life. 
restoration on my life. We can carry this favor into the people's lives. We can carry this favor into our families' lives. We can carry this favor that's on us because it was on Jesus and he had favor with God and favor with man and now it's on you. You have favor with God. You got it at salvation but you have to receive it and believe for it and now you have favor with God and you have favor with man. And you've got to understand that Jesus came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord which he came to preach Jubilee. And at Jubilee, anything that was lost was restored. There's a lot of broken people out there. There's a lot of bro- there's a, there's broken people in here. There, but but God is willing. To, he wants to restore you. And I, I love this. And we're not going to get to everything. But Joel chapter two, verse twenty-five. Joel twenty-two twenty-five. And he's just really been dealing with this for my life, for your life. Joel two twenty-five talks about that God will restore to you the years. Well, I just know recently I'm owed about two and a half years of my life and ministry back. Somebody stole some stuff from me. And I want it back. And I want it back now. What are you talking about? I'm talking about COVID and all that mess. That stole from the church. That stole from people. There's still people who are not back in church because of that. They were stolen as far as I'm concerned because of circumstances of life. I, I, want them, I want people back. Amen. But he said he'll restore to you years. Well, I came out of a bad this or I had a bad that or, you know, it just seems like for years I've been struggling. He said it, jubilee. God's favor profusely abounds to you. No, God's favor profusely abounds to you. And I don't know how he restores years. I just know he does it. I'm thinking, um, do you remember uh, the woman um, who, who built, was it Shadja? She built in the room. Elijah. Was it Elijah? Yeah, Jah or Shah. Anyway, one of the, one of the Eli, Eli's, one of the Eli's. Uh, remember, she didn't have a child. He built in the room. And remember, um, huh? The Shunammite, yeah. And, and so what happened was, uh, you know, she received a son, and then remember he died, and, and then uh, Elijah came back and laid on him and breathed his life. And then at the same time, he said, you got to get up on out of here because there's a famine coming. And remember, her and her family left, all their land and everything. And, and, and uh, Gehazi is uh, telling the king because he was regaling him with the stories of the prophet of what, what had been done. And you can go into it. I didn't plan on talking about this. But so, so as he was, as he was telling, she came back to the, the king's court to get her, I don't know why she did all the work. I don't know where her husband was. But anyway, she did all the work. And, and so obviously she, she was in charge. Uh, anyway, but uh, I thank God for a godly woman. Hallelujah. And so what happened was she came in to get her stuff back. And uh, the Gehazi, I believe it is, is telling the king about her. And he's like, oh, Looky there, right there. What is that? That's favor. Walking in at the right time, at the right place. She's coming to get something back, but she, she you know, she's just going on her own. But suddenly God had a, a man talking about her and the miracle, and, and the prophet had told her, you need to go live somewhere else until this is all over. So she came back, and the king was so enthralled. Why, why was the king so enthralled? Favor. Uh, he, she has favor with God, and now she's about to have favor with a king. And, and remember what he said? Hey. Give that woman her land back, right? And then he said, come on, you know, that'd be good enough. 
She left it. She left it to protect her family, but she left it. You know, you lose it. Too bad. It's not Jubilee. You can't have it back right now. But the king said, not only that, while she was gone, whatever that land produced, you give it back to her. She went on vacation and protected her family. And while she was away, her, that was still going to be her land. Everything it produced, and there was no labor from them at all. Come on, y'all. That's favor. That's favor. But she got that favor because she walked in at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. Amen. Hallelujah. That woman, everything started with just wanting to, she wasn't looking for anything. She just wanted to bless the man of God. She wasn't really looking for anything. But the favor, you can't do something for God that he don't want to do something for you. Everybody shout favor with God, favor with man. Amen.